0: New to the living healthy lifestyle or a healthy living veteran, this is your place for honest answers. Naturally Savvy with registered holistic nutritionist, Andrea Donsky and health journalist, Lisa Davis. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy. Andrea is away today. Have you heard of the keto diet? If not, you might be living under a rock. The keto diet is a big deal these days. And I am thrilled to have Chef Gerard Vivervito on the program to talk about this. Let's jump into this. First of all, I want to say uh, that you are a culinary instructor as a director of culinary education for Passion Fish, a NGO nonprofit organization. Talk to us about this, and then we'll jump into the keto diet.
1: Oh, sure. Um, In the year 2000, I was cooking in San Diego and a bunch of chef friends and I were all looking at each other one day and all questioning like, wait a second, is your fish getting more expensive? Mine is. Mm. Are your fish getting smaller? Mine, I've never seen anything. What's going on? And this is, you know, you got to realize 18 years ago, now we take sustainability for granted, but it was a, it was a wake up call and really the The internet wasn't what it is today, and we couldn't just Google stuff like you can today. And we, it was kind of a grassroots effort where a bunch of us got together and started, you know, tracking down the purveyors. And then from the purveyors, working back to the, to the fishermen. And and it was like a, a grassroots effort to find out what's going on. Why are these fish smaller? And looking up, you know, congressional records and who's voting on what. What standards are being done? Only to find out this horrifying fact: 91% of the seafood in this country that we consume is imported. And we're I, when I teach this to people, they're like, "You're kidding." I'm like, "No. Look at the West Coast, the East Coast, look at the Gulf Coast. We're surrounded by water, yet we consistently pull in fish from outside for any number of reasons, usually costs. I mean, you out by Cape Cod, you have all the greatest fish in the world off the of Georges Bank, yet we still pull in." fish from all over the world, and then we're pulling in from countries that may not have the regulations we have, so fish are getting smaller, overfished, or completely decimated. So we started this, um, I don't know, outreach group to be educators. We, we tried to stay away from advocacy because we didn't want to shut people down right off the bat and just say, hey, look, we don't care what you want to eat. But why don't you ask, where is it from? How was it caught? Is it environmentally friendly? Are there going to be fish left for your children, your grandchildren, future generations, et cetera, et cetera? And we started all these great dialogues, and we've spoken at the International Seafood Summit all around the world. We've hosted our own Socratic little forums and dinners, and we try to make it fun and educational. Because food, you know, we, everyone on this planet, we all share one thing in common. We all eat. We have to eat to survive. And if we're going to eat, what do we put in our bodies? And that's what, you know, as a lifelong chef has has brought me down so many roads to say, okay, well, it's not even seafood anymore. I mean, now it's it's produce, it's oils, it's fats, it's sources of fiber, it's going to the farmer's market. You know, everyone brags about how they went to the farmer's market and they picked up 17 different types of, of tomatoes. But the average American eats the same three fish every year. Shrimp is number one. tuna is number two. Salmon is number three. And if you want to throw a number four, it's pollock, which is the filet of fish fish at McDonald's. We have zero variety when it comes to our, our proteins and our diet. So it's like we've got to start branching out, changing our diets, having healthier lifestyle, educating ourselves. You know, let's put the Internet to good use. Let's start researching, you know, what we're putting in our bodies.
0: Yeah, I really admire what you're doing, and and I mentioned today we're going to be talking about the keto diet. Now, I know that for you, you tried a lot of different things out: paleo, low fat, high fat, South Beach, uh, etc. Talk to us about <laughs> when you adopted uh, the keto diet and what brought you to it.
1: What really brought me to it is uh, my wife and I love to travel and we love to eat and we love to, to ex- you know experiment with different cuisines and cook together and eat together. And um, I've tried every diet. I've not not necessarily just because I always felt that maybe I needed to lose weight, but I had catering clients and people I was educating, and if I was going to get into their heads, I needed to practice this myself. And I, I was looking at all these photos from our, our last eating excursion to Paris, and I'm like, who the hell is that in those pictures next to my wife? I'm like, good God. Oh, no. oh I ballooned up. So... Um, I started thinking, you know, the last time I got this big, I I had Lyme disease, which is popular in the Northeast, and I was retaining all this water. So, of course, I'm like, I it's to tick bite. And sure enough, I go and have my blood tested, and my doctor's like, well, if you don't change your habits, you are right on that borderline of pre-diabetic and... I mean, there is nothing worse. That's the greatest curse for, you know, people in general. But for a chef to be told you can't eat. I mean, that's like, come on. (laughs) It's (laughs) like telling someone you can't breathe anymore. Sugar used to be my absolute favorite food group. So (laughs) I started researching more and more. And years and years ago, I, I used to play around with the Atkins diet, which people think is the same, but it's not because that's usually more protein heavy. So keto really is and if I can explain it is the body basically has two fuels it can use for power you can use fat or you can use carbohydrates and the trick is to use as much fat as you can and hopefully leave your sugar for emergencies sadly in real life it never works out that way cuz your body can only store a maximum of you know between our size your size whoever size 1800 to 2000 calories worth of carbohydrate But we all can store an infinite. This is everyone listening, everyone on the planet. We can all store an infinite amount of calories and fat. Most people are sugar burners. And if you think of like a machine, sugar is a super inefficient fuel to burn, yet we're better at it. So now we've got this. It's like having a fortune in the bank without an ATM card. We've got all this fat to burn. So, you know, the joke is you really want to be a better butter burner. Now, try to say that. Ten times better. <laughs> so better burner. You, can, you know, you really want to be good at accessing and using what your your fat calories. And when you stop eating sugar completely, eventually you're going to use up those two thousand calories, right? So yeah. now you have no glucose left in your body, and it's like switching to that reserve tank of, of fuel sources. So you start to burn fat for fuel, right? And this is called nutritional ketosis, which you know some people hear that word and all of a sudden, ooh, that's bad. No, that's not bad. What they're thinking about is diabetic ketoacidosis, which is bad. So ketosis is basically your body metabolizes fat. And out of the fat, it produces what are called ketones. And they're a great source of energy for your heart, brain, your muscles. And you can just burn and burn. So now I'm doing uh, what, half marathons, triathlons, and I'm proving to people. I'm like, look, this is all I'm, I'm eating. And I've since January 1st is when I realized like, you know, everyone wants a new year's resolution, but you know, luckily here we go. Almost on June, you know, coming into June, I'm still going strong and I'm down 30 pounds I'm, you know, the lightest I've ever been or the lowest body fat percentage. I'm still gaining muscle mass. So people are like, Oh, you're going to burn up. You're going to eat your own body for fuel. I'm like, no, this isn't. <laughs> everyone wants to vilify whatever you do. Whether they're just like, well, it didn't work for me, so I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And, you know, you have the science. And, um, what I try to teach people is just like the fish you put into your body, you got to be discriminating about the fats you eat, right? Like, truly, and it's crazy when you're in, in, in a keto mindset, your body doesn't care if you're eating corn oil or deep fat fryer oil that's been refried 25 times over, it's still going to raise your ketone level but we have to avoid those junky, unhealthy fats because we're just going to wreck our health other ways. You know, whether, and most people these days have heard of inflammation. Like you said, if you, if you haven't heard of that, you're definitely under a rock. So we want to use healthy oils. And you know, if I'm doing a cold preparation, I'm going to definitely go for olive oil. You know, being raised in an Italian family, olive oil, especially extra virgin, it's like mother's milk to me. It flows through my veins. The downside is is I love to cook a lot, so I save my olive oil for cold finishing or for salad dressings. I like um, coconut oil, which I can heat up to about 350 degrees. I think it's got a great flavor. And then when I'm really going to cook and I'm really going to do some high-heat searing, grilling, or great marinades, uh, I can use this Malaysian palm oil, and it's pretty cool. It's cholesterol and flavor-neutral. It'll stand up to my high heat, you know. As my wife says, before you start cooking, unplug all the smoke detectors because <laughs> I love to sear everything, and, and in, even indoor grilling in, in our complex. And <laughs> that hopefully, bam, good. pulls it out. And it's got this really beautiful orange tinting from the vitamin A and the E and all these tocotrienols, which are good for your heart, brain, and liver. And you know, as I find myself doing all this training, I like knowing that the oils I put in my body are also supporting. You know, whether it's immune system or my brain or my heart, I'm like, I'm, I'm really out there pushing myself. So it, 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 I can't just put some junky oil into my body. You know, they're all types of good. I, I, I love butter also. You know, if you can find yourself a nice grass-fed butter, um, which it, it's kind of hard in certain parts of the country, but it's got the, you know, the extra omegas that you're looking for. You also have your special occasion oils, like an avocado oil, which you can really turn up the heat on. Uh, macadamia nut oil, there. You know, I some people are like, "What well, is that? Just a beauty aid?" I'm like, well, "No, it's, it's sweet and buttery." So I, I find all these good oils, and then it, it all—it was crazy because it all came back to me. I, I went out to Asia, Southeast Asia in particular. And I'm in Malaysia and I'm touring around I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool because I'm, I'm looking for fish. I'm looking for shrimp ponds and I'm looking for how they treat their tuna out there and all, all the, the markets. And I come across actually the, the palm oil plantations, which are unbelievable because Malaysia has decided to dedicate 50 percent of their country's land to sustainable use. And then when I started digging around with my NGO, we found out that the United States will only dedicate 4% of its land, which is like, wait a second. We are this massive country. We can afford a little bit more than 4%, right? So, And then digging even deeper, we're finding out, you know, I'm talking to the people. It takes 10 times more land to produce the same amount of canola oil or soybean oil than it does for palm oil, which people love to use. And these trees are growing for 30 years harvested every three months, no chemical processing. So it's not labor-intensive. They literally chop off this fruit, bring it to a processing plant. They burn off all the husks, so there's all these steam generators. And it reminds me of when i be in the hills of Tuscany watching olive oil be crushed between two stones. I'm like, you know, we, we always love to say in the name of progress, but sometimes these ancient Stone Age techniques that just, you know, take something and press it, Get the oil. There's no chemical refinement. It's just, I wish people would eat more like this. And I mean, if I could go on, I think some people are finding, I don't know, ways to call me. Like, you're a caveman. All you do is eat meat. All you do is eat meat. I'm like, that's not all I eat. Yes, I have the luxury of of eating a really nice fatty ribeye or piece of prime rib. And I wake up, tomorrow and i lost you know half a pound and people like what are you doing there's no way you're just doing this i'm like it's true i mean your your body just burns it i found in the beginning there's this everyone's like oh you're gonna feel terrible you're gonna feel terrible like why am i gonna feel terrible like wait till you get this keto flu ah
0: yes the keto flu
1: oh good god that's what i've heard about I don't like getting a normal flu. What's the keto flu? <laughs> so it's going to take a few. If anyone's interested in actually pursuing this, I am not going to lie to you. It's like it's always darkest before the dawn. Is There's going to be about 10 days, this interim period, where your body's like, no, I will not give up sugar. I don't care if you chew your fingernails, if you smoke cigarettes, if you drink too much alcohol. Whatever you do, when you stop, your body will do anything just clung its way back to, like, convince you, psychosomatically or whatever, like, you need sugar. Like, I walk by the ice cream, I'm hallucinating, and talking to me, like, grab me, <laughs> take me, look how good I am. And you just feel run down and miserable and cranky. And then, you know, about, they say 10 days. I would I would say it was a good rock solid two weeks for me that I came back with more energy than I knew what to do with. And I started getting worried. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm running on less sleep than ever. I'm exercising harder and longer than I've ever gone in my lifetime. I mean, I shouldn't have this much energy, but the more I research it, this is, it's, it's how our ancestors lived. I mean, they weren't planting rows of grain and eating oatmeal for breakfast. They would hunt down an animal. They would kill it. They would eat. Who knew when they would eat again or when they would plant again? But they're in the wintertime. So it's proven you could, you could survive like this. So you, you get adapted to it, then it's called being fat adapted, and there's this whole movement of marathon runners and ultra-marathon runners, but the one thing that I think we all have to look out for is making sure you're not just eating, you know, oh, I'm going to have a hamburger and I'm going to top it with bacon and then avocado and everything else, which is all fat, but even some of those foods, we're going to lose some, uh, some fiber, and that, that's that would, I'd say, be the biggest drawback on the diet.
0: Yeah. So how, So what do you do? Like, w- are you eating vegetables, hopefully? <laughs> well, I,
1: I eat, I, I, you know, I do. My wife will tell me I need to eat more, but I do eat a ton. Um, but if I don't, I, I find myself supplementing with, with high quality fibers because, you know, we're all, I, I don't know, I don't say all, many of us are about 35 to 45 percent. Shy of how much fiber we should be eating. Like the average between male and female, depending on your body size, 25 to 35 grams of fiber. And if you were to line that up, or if anyone does a Google image search of what 35 grams of fiber looks like, they would be horrified. Like, I don't eat that much food in a day. (laughs) But what people don't realize is we just fill ourselves up on empty, stupid calories for the majority of the time. And then we're we'll always find ourselves being hungry, right? Our blood sugar spikes because of all the sugar and then it drops and we crash. and we're like, ooh, I'm hungry again. Whereas if you ate some more bulkier foods, you know, whether they're berries or avocados or grape stores, beans, um, I still find, even though I think I get enough when I make my, my little fat smoothies in the morning to take to work with me, I'll use a product like Sunfiber. And a, a scoop of that, or two scoops in my my shake, it's tasteless, it's odorless, it, it literally dissolves, and you don't even notice anything. You can cook with it; doesn't change any textural issues. And it it shouldn't be confused. I know there's probably some listeners out there like, "Oh my god, my grandmother used to use fiber, and that <laughs> stuff is awful, but it's horrible." This is not the you know not your grandmother's art. fiber. Yeah, that, that that should be a. A great tagline for a company like, not your father's oleomone meal and not your grandmother's fiber. It's not the orange scented one that goes down like Oh, does, I know what
0: you're you talking know. about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> doubles you over a pain. This is like no bloating, no bad taste. So you, you really want something soluble. I mean, we do need insoluble and soluble, but the um, like sun fiber has prebiotics in it, which we all need. You, you've heard so much about gut bacteria and how our our guts really are our second brain in our body. How important it is to really really take care of ourselves, oh, whether definitely mentally or 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 gut. Everything starts in the gut.
0: Take us through your breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then if you can share some keto recipes with us, and they don't have to be like a scoop of this or scoop of that, but even just some basic stuff. I know you have some recipes on your website, but take us through your day. What are we eating here?
1: <laughs> All right, my day. Uh, I wake up. I 5 o'clock a.m. because I'm just too wound for sound. I'm going to have some coffee, and depending on the day, it might be a little bit of heavy cream, a tablespoon or two of heavy cream in there, or I really love MCT oil, like a medium-chain triglyceride. You might see what says MCT. Um, some people call it by the brand, name, like Bulletproof Coffee, if anyone's ever heard of that.
0: Yes. Put yeah, yeah, Dave Asprey's Mr. great.
1: And it's creamy as the most decadent cappuccino. And I drink that, and then uh, I'll wait probably until 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, and I'll have a shake with some chia seeds, some flax seeds, some coconut milk, uh, maybe a, a tablespoon of almond butter in there for a little bit of protein and a little bit of the extra flavor. I love to put some cinnamon and some cocoa powder in there. Uh that, it, depending on the day, could actually tide me over till about five. But being the chef and always in the kitchen, then I'm gonna go for. I love a you know a good piece of fish. I um, I mean I'm a major carnivore. There's no doubt about it. But being that fish is my specialty, maybe a sauteed piece of salmon or a grilled piece of salmon. Maybe some swordfish. I like the higher activity, higher oily fish. Grilled sardines.
0: Wait, I have to take you back for a second. Did you say you wake up at five a.m.? You have the coffee with the MCT oil, and then you have that smoothie you talked about, and that satiates you till five p.m. Just those two things.
1: Yeah. Wow. Uh huh.
0: That's incredible. I
1: mean, there's also a, this, this this diet or lifestyle, I should call it, gives you so so much energy, and it's so there's such a sense of satiety with fat, which you never really get from carbohydrates because there's no spiking of your bloodstream, right? There's no insulin spike. So what a lot of people actually find is they they couple it up with intermittent fasting where they, you know, don't eat for 18 hours of the day and combine all their food into a six-hour period. So, yeah, I mean, you can play around with that. And then I find if I'm not working out for a day that I may just do the intermittent fasting, but lately I'm training for this um, triathlon in San Diego for the end of September. So I'm doing lots of miles every day on the bike and in the pool and and running. So I'm trying to keep my energy up. I don't want to waste away. I like the size I'm at now. I'm really happy with my body fat percentage and and my muscle mass and everything else. So to maintain where I am, I'm probably consuming, I don't know, upwards of 2,500 to 3,000 calories a day, which seem people like, wait a second, how do you not gain weight with that? But it's all what type of fuel are you using? And if you're being efficient at burning it, your body's so happy and bring it on. I'm happy to burn this for you. I'm happy to use it. So then maybe when I come home, my wife and I will make a salad. And, you know, like I said, either an olive oil Base dressing or macadamia nut base dressing, or even make Caesar salad, and then do some type of protein on there, and maybe some steamed vegetables. Right now on my stove, I've got a it's it's an Indian dish called butter marsala and it's just chicken legs and thighs, which are are you know they're free range, so I got some really great marbling of fat in the legs and thighs, and then there's chili pepper in there, and tomato, and a can of coconut uh, milk, and there's a sweet potato diced up in there, some onions, but later, right before dinner, I'm going to throw in some cauliflower for some extra fiber and some texture, and, you know, I I, I don't feel like I'm missing on anything. No, it doesn't sound like it. There are days that I'm like, ooh, gosh, I could really, really... Sunday, right now. But, I mean, we, have, we we've developed so many recipes, like low carb brownies, and cream cheese based cookies. Uh, I had pizza was one of my favorites, so we make pizza crust out uh, of mozzarella and almond flour, and a little bit of cream cheese and egg. Bake that off, let it get stiff like bread, and then top it with tomato sauce and cheese. You know, French fries we've replaced with jicama. We daily, you know. The, slice off jicama and then turn it into like a french fry shape. Cook it in a little boiling water for a little while. Toss it in some, some palm oil and then put that on a sheet pan and bake them off so they're crunchy like french fries. You know, there, we're, there's, there's no shorts. Basically look at the recipe and say to yourself, what in here is gratuitous? Do I really need a sauce that thickened with flour or can I just let it reduce a little bit more or? Do I need that breading? What is it really going to provide for me? You know, people are like, well, I love fried chicken. Well, what do you like about it? Is it the crunch? If it's the crunch, you could just get the skin and, you know, toss in a little oil, either, you know, Malaysian palm, whatever it is, put it in a pan, steer it off till so the skin gets crispy, and then finish it off in the oven. People just, I, th- I think we've been so rushed. Yeah, I agree. That we don't even look anymore we just want to give me the store-bought it's already breaded it's already this how about coating it with a little you know brush a little mustard on there and then a little nut crust on it which gives you the crunch gives you a really nice uh healthy fat it, it gives you some color just get back in the kitchen and play i mean we've become if people spend half the time in the kitchen devoting themselves to taking care of their bodies that they spend trolling around on the internet between <laughs> whatever sites are on social media or or anything else, they'd be shocked at how much they could get done. Yeah, I mean, a piece, right. of, a piece of fish takes four minutes to cook. When someone says, "I don't have time to cook," I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> it takes my computer longer to go from off to you know home page than it does for me to saute off a little piece of trout. <laughs> I mean, are you me? <laughs> Throw some veggies in the same pan. One pan meals. You know, it's what we we strive for in the south. You can you can make an omelet in no time at all. Oh, you get definitely. Get protein in there and vegetables and and healthy cage-free eggs or whatever whatever your choice is. Finish it off with some cheese. I mean, it's so easy.
0: What vegetables do you use
1: this time of year? I'm I'm really so thrilled because all the the new spring asparagus that's popping up everywhere, and spring morel mushrooms fiddlehead ferns, I love greens, Kales, all types of kales, baby greens, arugula, all you know, I, what I like about buying even if I go to the grocery store, I'm not I'm not going to lie and say I go to the farmers market every weekend, but
0: when I can go, I can go,
1: but you know, you can buy those clamshells of, of organic greens and they can either go in a salad, they can go into a saute pan with a little, you know, oil and a little little crushed garlic and you have some wilted greens, they can be a topping on a burger they can they're, they're so versatile fold them into an omelet um, this time of year so mushrooms asparagus ferns my big thing i mean i i am more excited than anyone on the planet for another two months from now i don't want to rush the calendar i know <laughs> we're already halfway through the year but it's crazy I need my tomatoes i mean mm,
0: love tomatoes you know
1: go to the farmer's market in this hut in the hudson valley good god i think they grow like 30 different types of tomatoes. Well you pick a color they have it, pick a shape, they have it. And then the hotter season vegetables, the peppers and the eggplants, just I, I still love to eat Mediterranean style. It's my heritage and I'll I'll never stop. But uh, yeah that that that's it. I, I do do um, when I feel the need to, to replace, you know, my mother's pasta casseroles, whether it was lasagna or baked ziti or whatever I'll Cook off a spaghetti squash, split it in half, boil it, put it in the, in the oven, roast it till I can scrape out, you know, all, all the the pulp and then layer that with marinara sauce and some mozzarella and ricotta cheese. And I just call them like, that's, that's my lasagna now.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things you can do.
1: It's just people, we, we, just like I said, we eat the same three fish every day Around the country, we eat the same vegetables. I mean, even if you go into a generic restaurant in anywhere USA, it doesn't matter the time of year. It's going to be probably some lousy lettuce, cucumbers, tomatoes, and red onions. And that's their house salad. I'm like, oh, come on. Really? It's, it's wintertime. You have hard squashes and uh, the curry squashes and butternut squash and spaghetti squash. Or it's summertime. Can't you do you know, different types of tomatoes or, or melon, you know, I stuff some watermelon top in the salad. I always loved like watermelon, cucumbers, mint and olives and feta. I always thought those flavors always went well together.
0: Oh, that sounds delicious. All right. So tell us all the ways that we can find you.
1: Uh, the easiest way if people want to contact me or they have more questions or, are looking for recipes, because I love to share them. When someone says chef's secret, I'm like, shut up. I don't want to hear from you. There are no secrets. We didn't invent food. <laughs> Let's take care of each other is at chef, C-H-E-F, Gerard, dot com, And I've got some recipes up there. And I've got some links to my email. And you can just click on the link to my email and shoot your questions away. If you're more interested in learning about my um, nonprofit. There's passionfish.org. P-a-s-s-i-o-n fish.org. All one word.
0: Okay. Those are
1: those are the two number one ways. I try to avoid too much of the social media because it just sucks me right into the uh, yes. the rabbit hole. So it is it is tough.
0: <laughs> so, <fun. laughs> it contact
1: is. me that way, I, I, I love to a- answer questions. I love to send recipes to people if people have a specific recipe and they say well you know how would you eliminate your carbs from this give me a challenge i'm gonna uh i'm gonna put that out to all the listeners out there you know play stump the chef what (laughs) tell me what you got
0: (laughs) it's time for stump the chef (laughs) the only
1: prize that you're gonna get is a more nutritional meal but but that well that's fantastic.
0: Isn't that yeah. what we all want? Chef Gerard, you're just so delightful. This has been so much fun. Aww. I want to thank everyone for listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. In the meantime, you can check us out at naturallysavvy.com, at naturallysavvy, at Andrea donsky at Health Media Gal 1, and at Your Radio MD. Thanks for listening and stay well.